When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Ah, yes, here we are back. Unfortunately, if you're watching this video, you might not see the biggest coffee mug in the history of coffee mugs, which Bedard, here we go, is drinking out of. That thing is gigantic. It's like I a, have a big head, time. and it's, it's, it's <laughs> almost the size of my head. <laughs> this is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, episode number 24. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review as well. All right, Greg, the Baltimore win. It was a great win. It's now in the rearview mirror. We're looking forward to the Houston Texans coming up on Sunday, a one o'clock kickoff, which I know you're excited about. Oh, yeah. In the notes for this podcast, uh, the top note, the Patriots still have a long way from being a good team. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was just um, I was trying to think of uh, a good pod topic for this week. You know, something that's interesting. I mean, I don't know about you, Nick, but I don't know. I find the Texans even, you know, even in disaster mode without Bill O'Brien there, I just find them boring. Like they're just, and I watched some of their film. I watched the Browns game. Holy cow. That almost put me to sleep. It was three, (laughs) nothing. I know weather was a factor there. Then I went back to the the Titans game and that was for about a half. the, The Texans were terrible. And then they made it a game in the second half actually went to overtime. Um, you know, so I was just trying to think of, you know, a, a, a good topic for this week. And I think for me and I think our listeners out there, first of all, before we get going, um, I just wanted to point out that in the recent uh, channel survey of New England sports fans of like some 26,000 New England sports fans, I just I just wanted to mention that we finished. Uh, what was it? Tied for fifth place. Yeah, how about that? I think it was. How about you know, that, just Greg? three months in, you know, yeah. two dozen podcasts and a little bit of movement going on with this podcast. A little bit Thanks of movement. So I just wanted to, I wanted to give our fans, uh, you know, a shout out. We appreciate yep. all the support. We we love that you love the pod. We love doing it. Um, you know, we got a lot of grand plans for it as we move move forward. I know uh, there's some good sponsorship talks going on and stuff like that. So I just want to say. Thanks to everybody out there for yes, that. Thanks to all of you. And um, and so I, you know, I wanted to give the people a good topic. And so for me, I, I think looking at this team, I sort of wanted to have a discussion with you, Nick, about like, all right, well, what are the next steps for this team? You yeah. know, because I do look, look, the two game winning streak has stopped the bleeding. Okay, I mean, the, the Patriots were in a free fall. Uh, they have somewhat righted the ship. I mean, I I don't think anybody would say. A win over the, the the Jets is riding anybody's ship, uh, but certainly what happened on Sunday night against the Ravens was very promising. I do think uh, 
at least some of that had to do with the Ravens. And that's a team, you know, I would, th- this is another thing that I was thinking about um, when, when discussing this pod is, you know, for a long time, I, I took for granted that the Ravens are going to be the top wildcard team in the AFC. And that will still probably come true because they are that talented. Right. But man, there, there are a lot of cracks that showed on that team. Um, th- there's a lot of dissension in the ranks there. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- they, ha- they have the opportunity to be a meltdown. And that's sort of, um, you know, when people talk about Bill Belichick, the GM, I think one of the things, and, and look, nobody's perfect. Bill's not perfect. We know he's not. We know he's not in the draft. Uh, but I do think one of the things they get right overall is, is, is in terms of team culture. And, you know, I, 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 I have a great deal of respect for Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, who's from Taunton, a local guy, uh, really good guy, good family guy. Uh, and I think he's done a really good job with the Ravens, but I do think the Ravens sometimes uh, get a skew in terms of let's go get the talent. You know, let's yeah. go get yep. a Marcus Peters. And they don't really think about, all right, well, how what's the trickle-down effect? You know, when he's – if people looked at my, uh, you know, Twitter feed and also – uh, my my breakdown of this game at, at bostonsportsjournal.com, you know, they saw a couple clips of, you know, Marcus Peters throwing temper tantrums, not giving effort. Um, there's also some stuff on the offensive side of the, uh, the ball where, you know, Lamar Jackson's wanting to go for it on fourth and two, which Nick Nick agreed with. I agreed with. I thought they should have gone for it. And and on third, after third down, they don't come up. Like Hollywood Brown's always in Lamar Jackson's ear saying, I was open and this and that. So, you know, there, there. I think there's a lot of movement left in the AFC playoff picture, which is what my point was. I including, agree. including for the number five spot. I, I think there's there, there's a lot of potential there. Anything can happen down the stretch. Um, but in general, this is a Patriots podcast, so sticking with the Patriots, the topic I sort of wanted to explore is okay. They they stopped the bleeding. What are sort of the next steps for this team? if they're going to be a real playoff contender down the stretch. And for me, the number one thing is the passing offense. We have to see more growth out of the passing offense, out of Cam Newton. And I think I think in a lot of ways and in many different areas on this team, I think that this Sunday's game in Houston is when you sort of put Cam Newton to the test and the passing offense to the test. I mean, look, the, the, I, the Texans are very good on offense. They're gonna. The Patriots are gonna have issues there defending them. Um, their defense is not that great, so hopefully the Patriots, you know, don't fall behind early or something like that, and that scraps these plans. But I think Nick and I don't know if you agree. I think they need they need to start putting Cam Newton to the test. They need to open things up. They need to dial up a few plays and see what happens. Yeah, even if it's just a handful of plays, even if it's just yep. six or seven plays, get get a little bit you know, creative and dare I say it, uh, you know, somewhat risky a, a little bit here with Cam Newton. Let, let's see what he can do. Try to give I him think the that, yeah, 50, a little 50, bit early. Yeah, I, think, I think they need to put up a 50-50 ball once in a while. See yeah. what happens. Yeah, I mean, you need a little bit of risk thrown into this offense. And we know, listen, this offense is not going to be super explosive. It's never going to be a prolific passing attack. But every once in a while, you take those risks. You throw a football down the field, right? Maybe you throw to Nikhil Harry, a couple of back shoulders, see if he can make a play on a contested catch. Give your guys chances to make some plays. Demir Bird, he's been open a number of times. You know, try to hit him downfield. See what you can do. I don't disagree with the notion of 
taking a couple of gamble plays and seeing what Cam can do with those. Because if you can hit just on two or three of those plays to go along with your bully ball offense, I mean, that's really what the Ravens did last year. When we look at how the Ravens were successful offensively, it was run, 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 run. And then all they needed was Lamar Jackson to complete a couple of passes down the seam to Mark Andrews, hit a deep ball to Hollywood Brown, and then that opened up the offense. I think the Patriots are in a very similar situation, Greg. I think they can run the football. We know that. Their offensive line, I think, is very good. Now it's time to see if you can hit a couple of those deep balls, maybe go down the seam, maybe take a risk or two, because if you do that, that opens up the offense uh, just that much more. I, I do think your your Ravens comp is apt uh, because, you know, I – Obviously, the Ravens have more upside. They have more talent in terms of you know what Lamar Jackson can do uh, when he's in the zone throwing the ball. He's a much more natural thrower and gifted thrower than Cam Newton is at this point in his career. He's got more talent. Plus, you know, he's got he actually has a living, breathing tight end or multiple tight ends <laughs> to throw to. God, yeah. God forbid, what a novel concept. Um, but I also think it's 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 apt in terms of look, this Patriots team can't get down. 10, 14 points, yep. 17, you know, only against a, a God awful defense like the Seahawks, which has only proved out more and more as the season's gone along that, that, that was just, um, it, it, that was an epiphany. It was, it was a, it, it was out of the norm, uh, in Seattle that, that, that defense is just, it's just that bad. Um, yeah. so we, we can't, we can't reference that at all in terms of what the Patriots can do when they, when they get down now, do I doubt Cam Newton in terms of coming back? No. Uh, you know, I think he he has the potential to do that. But the way this team is built and the people around him, it's hard for them to come back because they just lack explosive plays. They just right. do. I mean, right. the only way they really get it is big runs, um, you know, by the running backs. And once in a while, they'll pop a broken play in the past. Yeah, I mean, day, but your best two offensive players, Greg, just to highlight that, to jump in for a second, you know, you've got Jacoby Myers, who is, I think now the best receiver on this team until maybe Edelman comes back and looks healthy. Hopefully fingers crossed. He's not an explosive guy. He's a good receiver. He's dependable route runner, good hands, but he's not explosive. And then as you mentioned, Damian Harris. So those are your two most explosive quote unquote offensive players. You absolutely need some kind of different dynamic when you talk about that. Yeah. And and I think that, lacking that just show the, the this offense has a ceiling this year that yeah. that they can't get down 10 14 17 points in a game and expect to win unless the unless the other defense is just awful and the and the team starts turning it over i mean it's just, it's just not going to happen so it, so they're similar to the ravens in that regard uh and, and you know you brought up edelman and that sort of leads into my you know number 2 thing about what they need to do more uh to take the next step and that's I, I don't know about you, Nick, but I think they need Edelman back. And I yeah. think I think they need a they need a version of him, certainly what was better than what we saw on the field when he left. Hopefully, whatever he got done, uh some people think he got platelets put in there. Um, you know, some people, you know, think that it, it was just uh, you know, some sort of procedure to basically give him some uh, some you know temporary cartilage in his knee because there's a bone on bone situation there. Whatever it is, hopefully for the Patriots' sake and this year, something was successful and he is able to be say, I don't know, thirty five percent better than what he was when he left, and he can be that through the rest of the season because 
yes, Jacoby Myers is nice. And people want to get all excited about, oh, well, maybe he can be a big slot and this and that. I just – you still need – you need speed. You need quickness. Jacoby Myers is fine. He's a good possession receiver. Yep. But this offense really needs a quick guy inside. They don't really have anybody other than that, especially – since they're getting nothing out of the tight end position except a shot play here and there, like the 20-yarder last week, to Izzo off play action, which will be open against the Texans, I can tell you that much, after watching the film. So I, I think they need Edelman back. Other people disagree. I don't know where you fall on that. Well, I think Edelman would help, right? I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Like you said, if he comes back, number one, that's the first question. The second question is, he comes back, what does he look like? Is he 60% of Edelman? Is he 70% of Edelman? If you're talking 70 75% of Edelman and he takes limited snaps, yeah, I think he could help. The other thing that I do wonder, I don't know how you feel about this. I don't even know if it makes sense as an option. But when you watch you know, Rex Burkhead out there as a receiver, I, I wonder if they could tinker with that a little bit. Could they possibly tinker with Rex Burkhead in the slot from time to time so he can, you know, have those little quick routes for, you know, Cam to get open. And then maybe, you know, you shift a little wiggle there and, and gain an extra four or five yards. You know, maybe you can try a James White or a Burkhead in the slot. Everybody wanted the Patriots to go out there and get Le'Veon Bell. And I'm not saying Burkhead or White or anybody they have on the roster is like Le'Veon Bell. But I do think you see that. You see that from some offenses in the league where they would put a running back out there to try to make up for the lack of quickness. Maybe that's something McDaniels can do. But, you know, overall, I agree with your point. I think they need Edelman. If it wasn't Edelman, an Amendola kind of receiver. I don't know if Gunner Olszewski is that kind of guy, if he's quick enough, agile enough. And that's why one of the main things we talked about during the deadline, you and I, Greg, I brought up Golden Tate as yep. – one of the guys that I would be looking at if I were the Patriots and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you've got Tate bitching about not playing in New York. And, you know, I think that would have been an ideal fit for this team. Somebody of that ilk that you could play. So I do think Edelman would help out this offense. Let's jump to the defense because I know you wanted to talk about Chase Winovich. We brought him up, yep. you know, earlier this week, what we saw against Baltimore, kind of a hybrid role, uh, some off the ball. Uh, some on the ball. What do you think they should do with Chase coming up on Sunday? One, one thing on uh, what you just mentioned, and and uh, with Burkhead and and White, they we actually started to see that last week, where Burkhead was in the backfield and James White was actually uh, in motion as a slot receiver. And I think the Patriots are starting to do that. I think McDaniel's okay. realizes they need a quickness element, yeah. And so I think. Even if you have the two backs in the backfield, while they might not, quote-unquote, be in the slot, uh, in effect to how the defense is going to defend them, they have to defend them as a, as a slot receiver. So it does open up some things. So we are seeing that. So that's a that's a good point by you. And I think I think McDaniels has realized we need that uh, quickness element inside. We just don't – we don't have that. And, like, we need playmakers. And why are we going to leave James White and Rex Burkhead on the bench so I think I think McDaniel's just trying to incorporate that a little bit more. As far as Winovich, um, I think based off of last week and how he did in in sort of a you know and and I'm not going to rehash. He wasn't exactly an inside linebacker last week. It was a little bit different. He was actually an outside linebacker uh, in, in sort of a three three alignment. Uh, I, I I think based on what we saw last week. 
and what the Patriots have at inside linebacker so far. And, you know, Juwan Bentley is average. That's fine. Therese Hall is worse than him. And <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Jennings is, uh, you know, he he's okay. He, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for him this year, which is not – it's not that bad. It happens, whatever he, you know, I think he can be effective um, against some running teams uh, getting in there, but he just, he has struggled every time they've tried to give him more to do. He has struggled with it. So I'm sort of moving. I'm, I'm putting that off the next year. I think they need to move Winovich inside. I liked what I saw in terms of uh, his speed and decisiveness uh, getting downhill, if he saw a hole, he normally went into it. Sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he ran into the wrong hole. But you know, Jawan Bentley's doing that right now. Right. Um, so I, I don't. I I just think there's more upside with Winovich. I really where I really thought he stood out against the Ravens, and I think there's a lot more there. Is his pass drops and getting back into coverage? I thought was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. He's not as stiff as I thought he was going to be. That so, was actually going to be my question to you: Is do you think he could yeah. handle? The coverage part of that. I do. I, I mean, look, it's not going to be perfect and it's going to be clunky. And but uh, you know, he gets back, he 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 gets into his backpedal really well. He 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 shifts his hips quickly, which which is uh better than I thought. Sometimes he's not exactly sure where he's supposed to go, but I, I'll tell you what, he gets into his he gets deeper into his drops better than I want to say better than Bentley at this point. And the Patriots need that because they've if you've noticed, Nick, in the past about four or five weeks, there's been a lot of uh, sort of zone shots in the middle of the field, about 15, 20 yards against the Patriots. Right. And that's been because their their linebackers aren't getting to the proper depth and they're not in the right area. And and I think that I think that Winovich is going to be imperfect, but at least I know he might pop a play here and there. And and I just don't get that sense from the other guy. I mean, I think Bentley, when Bentley comes back, I think he should be the starter at the mic, but I think the other inside linebacker position, if they get back to what they did earlier in the season, and this goes to, they need, look, the bottom line is on defense. They need to be a better first and second down defense. They need to get to the third down and long yardage. Like we've talked about all year. And I think you only do that with hopefully Carl Davis is good on the defensive line. Put Winovich at inside linebacker. You have other options at outside linebacker. Simon, Derek Rivers, whoever, they're good at finding guys that can hold the edge. And let's let's see if they can cook with that because right now it's not good enough. Let's 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 take a look at some things. Yeah, Carl Davis might have been a fine for this team. They needed, we talked about it without Bo Allen, you know, a complete waste of a signing. Uh, Lawrence guy banged up when he's not a hundred percent. They just don't have enough beef on the inside of that defensive line. Davis is one of those dudes. He's a legit nose tackle kind of player. And maybe he could help this defense, especially against the run. My one question to you, Greg, about Winovich, aside from the coverage, which you answered, if you put Winovich inside, of course, one of the things that he's done is get pressure on the quarterback. What does that do to the Patriots pass rush and their ability to get to the QB? What pass rush? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the Patriots had this dynamic pass rush that I worried about disrupting, then you know I might care. But uh, you know, I'm just saying it, he's one of the only guys that gets pressure. So no, no, no I I agree, and I think uh, look, I think this is a team that we and we've seen this in years prior. 
really the defense of the previous two years mastered it because they were together for a long time. They struggled for a while. What was that? 2018 season. They struggled for a long time on defense. They finally got the amoeba stuff in the second half and it helped basically it helped basically won them a Super Bowl in, in, in 2018. And you, I think that's the only way this group is getting pressure. And I think actually Winovich factors into this, um, you know, by coming from the second level and getting ahead of steam, I think he's better there than like on the edge and sort of, you know, the stunts and the loops and things like that. That's, that's really where they get a lot of pressure. I would rather have chase coming from depth at linebacker, you put him there, he can also dance around and, and things like that, which they do in the Amoeba. I don't know if you've seen some of the clips of what Brian Flores did uh, is doing with the Dolphins and uh, what against the Chargers and Justin Herbert last week. But there were guys dancing all over the place before the snap. I almost like started crying a little bit because I miss when the Patriots could do things like that. <laughs> and they just they just can at this point. But I think I think he would be fine there. I think you know I think Rivers. I get. I guess he's just going to be a bit player throughout his career. I thought there were certain times this year where he's held the edge nicely. He's shown some stuff in the pass rush. I. I think. I think he can handle a more major role. I might be wrong in judging from what the Patriots how they use him. I must be wrong, but I will say, Nick. I just want to point out that you know if Bill Belichick listened to the the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast earlier in the season, he would have started this Winovich movement. A Look lot here. earlier. I know Look Bill's here. probably listening right now. So, you know, just, you know, you might want to listen back on a few episodes, Bill. He's wearing his Rutgers shirt. He's feeling good today. Listen, listen to this guy. Uh, one last question about the Patriots as far as the next step. What happens with a healthy Stefan Gilmore? What would you do if he comes back? I am putting Jason McCourty on the bench. And actually, I had this further thought. Look, because J.C. Jackson deserves to be a starter. I don't care. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people thought in New York that was a lot of his fault. To me, I put it on their lack of a pass rush and not getting in passing situations and 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 all that goes with that stuff. I mean, I just think – we talked about it before because I'd throw a hissy fit every time. <laughs> you know, Jason McCourty would be out there starting a game and he'd give up big plays. Like, Jason McCourty needs to start in this team. You know, the three best cornerbacks on this team – and I think Gilmore will come back. You know, he's doing his little wildcat strike. I think a lot of it is uh, a business decision at this point where he's just like, okay, I'm coming back, but I'm not – since you you didn't trade me and you didn't give me a contract extension, I'm not coming back till I know I'm 100% because I'm not putting my health and a contract extension somewhere else at risk. So I think he'll be back at some point. It might take a little bit of time, but when he gets back, the three best cornerbacks on this team are Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, and Jonathan Jones. And I think those guys need to play. And one of the ideas I had, I don't know how crazy you are about this, Nick, was let's let's give Devin McCourty a little bit of rest once in a while. We've seen his brother Jason be able to play safety at times for this team. Uh, they do some different things. You'll see Jonathan Jones back there at times. Like, you know, I think, I think Devin's play had to play a lot of ball this year. I think the physical toll has been even more because the run defense has been so bad in the front seven that the Devons had to do a lot of tackling this year. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're taking a, a, a beating back there. So, you know, spell Jason, uh, spell Devin once in a while with, with, with Jason. And, you know, maybe he can, maybe Jason on passing downs, if they ever get there, 
can play more of the Deron Harmon free safety role on third down and give let Devin play more of the, the, the robber role where he comes in and helps double somebody or jumps a route, which is really where he's more effective and, and when this defense is at its best. So that's just you know one thought I had. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thought, especially as you mentioned, Devin's playing a lot of football. And as we know, he's getting older like we all are. And maybe spelling him a few snaps a game with his brother, you know, wouldn't be the worst idea. And when you look at the game coming up on Sunday, there are a few things that that I wanted uh, to hit on. And number one is, you know, the Texans offense they're not a good running offense. I mean, the Bill O'Brien, David Johnson experiment blew up in his face, trading DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, are you kidding me, Bill O'Brien? That that will go down as one of the most boneheaded personnel decisions that we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. The running game is not there, but what they do have is they've got receivers. I mean, they've got Will Fuller if he's out there and he's playing. Uh, You know, they've got Will Fuller. They've got old friend Cooks. They've got Stills. They've got Randall Cobb. They have four veteran guys who can get open. They've got guys who can get down the field with some speed. I do think that could be a difficult matchup when you also think of the Patriots' lack of a pass rush with Watson and what he can do. And Deshaun Watson, given the circumstances he's been handed, he's been good this year. I mean, I I don't know how much better you expect that guy to be with the offensive line they have in front of him. But – the secondary against these Texans receivers, Greg, especially if Gilmore is not going to play, I do think that could be a challenge for the Patriots defense on Sunday. No question. They're like they're like the inverse Patriots on offense, where you know the Patriots have all their talent on the offensive line and they have nothing really, you know, exceptional at the skill positions, um, including quarterback. I mean, they're the they're the bizarro Patriots and and <laughs> And, you know, because the, the, the Texans really have nothing on the offensive line except for Laramie Tunsil, who's excellent at tackle. Um, you didn't even bring up and, – and for some reason they're sort of underutilized. I did notice I did notice him a little bit more in the past game. But the tight ends, Darren Fells, yeah. um, you know, he's always been sort of underrated to me. He's a good, solid guy. He'd, he'd be a great patriot. He's like – He's a bit like Dwayne Allen, but with more upside in the passing game. Yeah. And also Jordan Akins, their second tight end. You know, they're a handful in terms of what they can do offensively. And this is going to be a challenge. Uh you know, I think I think <laughs> I think we have a chance to, to look at a high scoring game for once with a Patriots game. I mean, I know the Patriots have been sort of blo- uh, boring to this point, and that's their formula. And they keep Cam in a straitjacket and you know, and and just you know, try to try to play every game in a telephone booth and get it to the fourth quarter and see, you know, if the Patriots can be the Patriots and the other team can implode. That's sort of their MO at this point. But, you know, if, if you start letting Watson cook a little bit, uh, it could get a little dicey down there. And, and no question, you got Brand, old friend Brandon Cooks is down there still doing his thing. He's a good, solid guy. He's just not he's just not an elite wide receiver and you're not going to pay him that much. And Will Fuller can certainly get down the field. I watched, there was one play against the Titans. I watched where the uh, Vrabel tried to get really cute and, and, and basically go from a single high safety look to a Tampa two look with another old friend, Malcolm Butler actually rotating to, to be one of the deep safeties. 
Hmm. And they thought they were being slick. And actually, Malcolm Butler could <laughs> he, he just butchered the play like with his hips. <laughs> he was inside, he was outside, he was in. By the time Malcolm Butler got turned the right way, Will Fuller was like 15 yards behind him, and there was an easy <laughs> touchdown. And so, you know, as long as the Patriots don't get stupid like that. Uh, you know, they got to keep the game in front of them, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, they, this is a Texans team that that's extremely talented uh, on offense. You'd really like to see the pass rush do some work this week and help yeah. out the, the cornerbacks. This is really where that piece needs to come together and should, yep. because if not, if they can't get pressure and, and on Deshaun Watson and they, they don't, and he can just hold the ball all day against this team with the amount of speed that the Texans have, it's going to be a long day on defense. Yeah, I think you've got to keep Watson from extending plays. You've got to keep yeah. him in the pocket. If he starts to extend those plays with those receivers, you're asking a lot uh, from your coverage in that secondary. And listen, we usually go into a game with the Patriots, and we're unsure of what we're going to get with the front seven with pressure to the quarterback. If the Patriots front, if they can't play well on Sunday, then it's really, really bad. Because when you look at Houston's offensive line, I'll use the term again, it is really, really bad. They are, yep. you know, 29th when it comes to run blocking in the league, and they are 31st. They are literally the second worst offensive line when it comes to pass protection. I think Seattle is the only team that is worse than them protecting the quarterback. The only reason Deshaun Watson hasn't been sacked 75,000 times this year is because Watson's ability to escape the pocket, extend those plays, and do something. But I do think there are going to be some opportunities for the Patriots on both sides of the football. I think the front seven can have some some good times against that offensive line that isn't that good aside from Tunsil. And even Tunsil, he, he struggles sometimes with athleticism. And then secondly, when you look at, you know, for the, for the Patriots' offense, man, I don't know if there is a defense – that is is better for the Patriots to face right now than Houston is. They are the worst run defense in football. And, you know, when you look at this awful run defense for Houston, we know what the Patriots' bread and butter is. They want to run the football. As long as you handle J.J. Watt, I think they'll be able to use Damian Harris 20 to 25 times on Sunday. And, and I think he's got, you know, 100-plus yards written all over him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, Whitney Merciless has basically gone in the witness protection program uh, this season. I don't know what happened to that guy, but it's just not working. This is a defense. What it, yeah, this is a defense that I saw on film that um, they have a lot of they had a lot of issues with 21 personnel, which the Patriots used. I want to say about 40 percent of the time last week and, uh, you know, which is way above the league average. Um, that's sort of become their bread and butter with you know, Jakob Johnson on the field. Uh, the Texans have some issues with that. I think that, uh, you know, when I looked at their tape, I thought n number 96, P.J. Hall, uh, he, he's one of the worst defensive linemen I saw in terms of staying in his gap. He gets washed out all over the place. and gives up gap. Dunn, the nose tackle, is really struggling. And I think a, a big thing, and I think we're going to see this a lot in this game, and we've seen this in years past, the Patriots love to take advantage of the Texans linebackers in terms of play action and also with the running backs. Uh, Zach Cunningham, uh, Cunningham, I think it's Zach. Yep, yes. Zach Cunningham. Number 49 is a great athlete. I'd love to see him on the Patriots and Bill Belichick work with him, but he's never really uh, gotten the position. And the Patriots have always sort of taken advantage of him with James White with one-on-one -on -one option routes 
and James White almost always wins. I think I I think he had a touchdown down uh, the sideline last time these guys played. And also the the other guy Adams at linebacker. I saw a play where he got totally deked out and left um, uh, uh, Kareem Jackson completely wide open. I think the Patriots might just pick up that play and use it again. And and instead of uh, Baker Mayfield throwing it away, they actually you know throw to the running back. And um, but I think yeah, I think that I think you're exactly right. I think the, and this is what I talked about, to sort of bring it home to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. I think this is this is a game where the Patriots offense needs to take a next step so that we know that they're capable of a little bit more that if they do have to match a team score for score, it's not going to take 14 plays and nine minutes off the clock that they can do a few things here and there. So I think this is, this is a good defense to test some things against. All right, let's get to the Boston sports journal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Pat's junkie, which you are, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis. Bedard does on the coaches film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Our question this week is from Rob E. Uh, is this really the best offensive line in football, Greg? PFF says yes. I, I, you know, to follow up on this question, I went back to my boy Robbie, and I was like, wait a minute, because I checked PFF. I'm like, I, I didn't see a story about this, and I said, where, you know, where to get it? And he said, well, he was looking at the ratings on Sunday Night Football, and he figured they must be, you know, because they all, I think, all the guys were like in the top ten. Yeah. So, you know, we don't know this for sure, but they would certainly be up there. Uh, but just in general, um, do I think they're the best offensive line in football? Um, it's 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 hard for me to say because I haven't seen a lot of offensive lines, but I'm just judging from what I've generally seen. I, I think you could certainly make that argument. I think that I think that you look at Isaiah Wynn, I would say in terms of left tackles in the league, he's certainly in the top half. I mean, I would say somewhere around 12, 10. I'm sure the analytics will tell you he's the greatest left tackle <laughs> since Anthony Munoz. Since you know, I saw I saw the their PFF Patriots guy this week tweeted out, and this is just so typical and what we've talked about in the past. It was like Jacoby Myers is he's he's played he's played fewer snaps, but Jacoby Myers is up there with Devontae Adams in Green Bay and somebody else who's really good at wide receiver. And I was just like, all right, what are we doing here? (laughs) Seriously. But anyways, I would say wins certainly top 12. Joe Tooney is certainly top five in my book. And PFF always screws him. Like it makes me mad. Like he's always lower. They pump up Shaq Mason, but they they don't give Tooney his respect. Respect. I don't get it. Mason has had a great bounce back year. I think that Mason is at right guard. He's probably top five this year. Andrews, when he's been on the field, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, th- I would say analytics-wise, yeah, I think he would measure up this year. So you're talking top seven, six in the league. And then right tackle, I think, between a healthy Illuminor, the way he was playing, and now a Wenu, and that's a whole different side topic on, you know, who's the right tackle once Illuminor is ready to come back. But, yeah, I think you could make the argument that that this is the best offensive line in the league. And I also just want to point out, Nick, that I think we had this discussion during training camp when people were making or making fun of me in the off season when I wrote <laughs> about that yes indeed this could be the best one of the best offensive lines yeah. in the league so I just wanted to point out I was right again 
Yeah, I mean, even nice, nice by you. Uh, even <laughs> with you know pro football focus last year, I think they still had the Patriots as like a top ten or twelve offensive line last year. So if they were top ten to fifteen last year, they are absolutely one of the top five to seven offensive lines in the game. Uh, Green Bay has done a very good job uh, when you talk about their offensive line. Uh, you also look at Indianapolis. The Colts are always in the conversation as far as offensive line. Uh, Dallas used to be, but they've taken a major step back and they've got some big time injuries. So I think the Patriots are absolutely in that conversation of top five O-lines in the game. All right, let's talk about Sunday. I actually don't have the spread. Do you know what the spread okay. is? For this game? I am looking at, yes, it is basically now it opened at Houston minus three or minus two and a half. It is now Patriots. The consensus is Patriots favored by two points. What do you think? I, I you know, I, I think I think they're right in a certain regard that I think this is going to be tighter than people think. And uh, the Texans have shown some spunk. Uh, they've been in basically every game. I, I and I think that I think that the the Texans can score some points, like we talked about earlier. I think this is going to be a little bit high scoring. I'm going to pick the Patriots by three. I'm going to go uh, 27-24. I think it's going to go down to the very end, and I think it's going to—I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to make people a lot, very nervous, but I think this is—I uh, think this is going to be an interesting game. I like the Patriots as well. I, I could see this game be three to six points, um, but but I, I just think that they will actually win this game in the trenches. And it might sound cliche, it might sound boring, but I do think yep. that their defensive front has a chance against this offensive line against Houston. And I also think their offensive line, the Patriots' offensive line, is going to dictate this football game. And I think they are going to uh, control the line of scrimmage uh, in that battle. So I, I like the Patriots. I, I like them by, you know, I'd say probably six points I'll pick them by. Uh, and I, I could see Houston score some points because of Deshaun Watson, because of those receivers. But inevitably, I think the Patriots are the better team. I think they get the job done on Sunday. Uh, he is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles, of course. We'll be back early next week to recap the Texans game. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. You want to make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the pod as you always do. And again, thank you to those uh, listeners uh, for following along and uh, you know making us, I'd say, an early success through the first three months or so of this adventure. Uh, until early next week, again, he's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll talk to you then.